Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. I want to share something because the start of my new series is called Unmasking the Evil Twins of the Enemy. I don't know if we could put that graphic up. Unmasking the Evil Twins of the Enemy. Now, one of them you're going to be very familiar with, but the other one is stealth. Everybody say stealth. It's stealth. It's creeped up in the church for centuries, and we don't deal with it as much as we do the first one. And once you start noticing the scripture, you're going to say, oh, I know that, but I'm, I'm warning you, don't push the, car, the horse before the cart or whatever that is, the cart before the horse. Because what I'm going to share with you in the next three or four weeks is going to be life-changing. I've revisited this uh, by, by just the Lord, and I'm going to ask you to pay attention, get your word out. So if you have your word, say amen. I want you to turn real quick to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, but do not read it yet. In the NLT, do not read it yet, okay? And don't put it up there yet, Zach, until we pray. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for your anointing. I pray that you would captivate the hearts, break chains, Lord Jesus. Even today, unmask these evil twins that have been creeping in the church and throughout society all of our lives. And I pray that we will receive them with gladness in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Now, I want you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1 through uh, chapter 1 6 through 7 very very popular familiar scripture do not tune me out because I really feel my heart is burning with this message now in the NLT it says it differently that's why I'm saying it twins everybody say twins they're twins all right and it has to do with a dynamic that a lot of us are used to but another dynamic that a lot of us like to avoid all right. Now the Bible says, "This is why I remind you to fan into flame, to, to sorry to flames, the spiritual gift God gave you when I lay hands on you." Now you are you already know the, the the New King James version. Look how it reads in the NLT: "For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, fear and timidity." In the New King James, it says, "God has not given us a spirit of fear." but a love, power, and sound mind. In the New, New Living Translation, it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. That word timidity is the root word for intimidation. Intimidation. And I want to share with the next couple of weeks the powerful revelation of fear that most of us think we know about, right? Or we, especially what's happening in the world, so we, we kind of throw these words out. But what you don't talk about, what it's stealth, very much so in the body of Christ, is intimidation. Because intimidation has to do with people, with personalities that you do not want to confront. Now, I'm going to give you five questions before we start. And I don't want you to raise your hands. I don't want you to raise your hands. All right? But I want you to be honest. Everybody say honest. Come on, say it like your mama's about to slap you. Say honest. See, I got to put something in you, like some, some encouragement. Now, I want you to answer these questions as I say them, but don't answer them out loud. All right? Are you ready? Do you find yourself at times wanting to say no to someone or particular situation and end up saying yes? In other words, everything in you feels, okay, I need to say no to this, but you wind up saying yes. Number two, do you feel guilty when you say no? When you're 
saying no to somebody, do you constantly beat yourself up and, and guilty because your no, even though it's a right no, you feel bad or guilty when you say no? Number three, do you avoid confrontation with certain individuals and certain people with certain personalities? Preach the gospel, Pastor George. I'm trying to, Lord. Do you avoid confrontation? Now, remember, when I say confrontation, it's not, hey, you, come over here. You did me wrong, and I don't like that. No, that's not what confrontation is. It's truthful conf- confrontation that needs to be confronted, especially if there's a rift or a um, division between you and somebody else. Some people, they like to be peacekeepers instead of peacemakers, and peacekeepers keep the peace at the expense of their own integrity. <laughs> peacekeepers will keep the peace at the expense of their own integrity. In other words, just because you want to avoid drama doesn't mean that you're making peace. Because Jesus said, bless all the peacemakers, not the peacekeepers. Right, my guy, three amens in there, amen. Now watch yourself. Number four, do you find yourself avoiding other people or places out of an unhealthy fear? And lastly, do you find yourself feeling paralyzed not feeling the strength or courage to do what you know it's right to do when action is required? Do you find yourself feeling paralyzed, again, not feeling the strength or courage to do what you know to do when action is required? If you answered, if, if your answer is a repeated yes to a lot of these questions, there are chances that you are battling a spirit of intimidation. And I don't know if you read a book years ago by John Bevere called Breaking Intimidation. How many have read that? The Lord just recently had me read that again, and it has just fueled everything that, that's happening right now in the world and with me and with a whole bunch of people. So I want to talk about these twins, unmasking them, the twins of fear and intimidation. Are you ready? How many, how many, without, listen, not giving away your answer, how many could at least say at least one of those questions you, you related to? You related to some of those questions. Okay, I know I have, okay? And the reason as a pastor that I'm bringing this is because I want to shepherd our people and those who are watching to unmask it. The reason why we have to unmask it is because it goes stealth, all in the name of personality or emotional problems. Can I just be honest with you? Can I just be honest with you? I'm going to, even if you say don't be honest with me. I'm going to. But (laughs) at some point in time, we've got to stop calling weaknesses weaknesses and do something about it. You know, we, we talk about sin, then we talk about weakness in the church. Let me go on this side over here. Well, you know, I'm, I'm falling in sin or this, this has happened, but then, when we, but then other weaknesses is okay for us to tolerate. God doesn't want us to, to, to continue to tolerate things that are unmasked. If you are struggling with rightfully talking to people, if you're scared or afraid or worried about their reaction, then they are controlling you without you even knowing it. You, have, you, you take control back when you are able to be free from a spirit of fear and intimidation. And I want to say this. Look, let's look at the first slide. The two main evil twins that the devil uses with great destructive destruction against people are fear and intimidation. Most Christians battle intimidation, yet most wrestle with the effects, not the source. 
we wrestle with the symptoms of it, but we never go through the source. I don't care how you want to twist it other than the fear of the Lord because there is a healthy fear, which I'm not talking about in this sermon. The fear of the Lord, the Bible says, is clean, enduring forever. We're not talking about that. We're talking about fear, the spirit of fear, and intimidation. Everybody say intimidation. I guarantee you many of us have not looked at it this way. The NLT says fear and timidity. God has not given you a spirit of fear and timidity. So you, you realize that this is something that has been a problem or an issue because if we never identify the root of these two things, we will never totally get free from this. Now, I want to say something powerful before I get to some major points. Stop blaming your personality as a justification for you to not confront things in your life. Stop blaming your personality. No, well, you know, I'm, I'm not an extrovert like you, Pastor George. I'm an introvert, so I kind of don't. That's not my thing. Well, you can still be an introvert and, sorry, you can still be an extrovert and still be battling intimidation. And you could still be an, an introvert and be very bold. Because your personality has nothing to do with the volume that comes out of your mouth. Now, I'm here to help you. I want you to see this because this has been revolutionizing. And I realized through my studies that fear and intimidation opens the doors to all kinds of demonic things in our lives. Physical ailments, a lot of other mental ailments. Do you know that there's people that are struggling with things that if, once they broke the spirit of intimidation and fear over their life, they got healed from those things? I'm serious. My wife, for years, for years, had migraine headaches years ago, and she, we went to this encounter weekend years ago at OHOP, and we had there was 14 root spirits in the Bible. You know, us charismatics, we say spirits for everything. You know, the spirit of nicotine and the spirit of caffeine. Like, what does that look like? What does the spirit of nicotine look like? Hey, some coffee here, you know. Right, a demon be coming up like this, you know. <laughs> No, we charismatics say that, but the, biblically, there's root spirits of bondage that manifest into this or, or infirmity that manifests into cancer. Now, God understands what we're praying for when we say uh, we come against the spirit of cancer. God understands that. But biblically, it's the root is infirmity, and it branches off into sickness. The root of all kinds of intimidation and fear of people or their personalities or anything like that is fear. But intimidation is like the son and daughter of fear. Okay? And my wife, she had migraines for years. We went years ago to a, a, to a, a retreat. And on that little screen, there are these 14 spirits. And one of them was fear. And when she broke fear over her life, she, her migraine was healed. And she, her migraines kind of like went away. And so these are the, some of the things that I'm going to be saying to you this morning and in and this next couple of weeks. And everyone say amen. amen. And so I, you, you need to declare God's word. But the main thing that I'm going to go after today of what fear seeks to usurp and seeks to use against you is fear and, and intimidation is after your God-given delegated authority. Hear me what I'm saying right now. Hear me what I'm saying right now. 
There's a difference between authority that's through justification, all right, because I know you scholars are looking at me like, hey, what is he talking about? There's the authority that comes through justification. Say justification. Justification is when Jesus did on the cross, he made, he made us holy through the cross, and he, made it, he gave us power and authority when we gave our lives to Jesus Christ. But just because you have authority doesn't mean you're walking in authority, just because you have delegated authority doesn't mean that you are not exercising that authority through your mouth, through your prayers, through your walk. So just because you have, just because you have justification of holiness, you still have to walk out your, your life with fear and trembling, the Bible says. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now watch. Why is that important? Because the justification of holiness means as soon as you were born again, the righteousness of God got infused in your spirit. You can't improve on that righteousness at all. But you still have to walk out your behavioral holiness. Amen. You just can't say, well, yeah, I'm just born again. The righteousness is all in me, and you're watching pornography, and you're having fornication, and you're doing that, but I'm still righteous. No, no, no. The justification of righteousness is when you get born again, but you have to walk it out. Why do I say that? Because you already have authority, but the majority of the body of Christ is crippled by fear, and fear seeks to usurp the authority that you have so he could use it against you. I want to make a bold statement. The devil loves authority. He loves to take away God-given authority because he only knows that God-given authority is the only thing that, that could defeat him. Why? Because any normal human being without being saved cannot defeat the enemy. You can't. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that one person tried to do that. Hey, by the, by the Jesus that Paul preaches, I command you to get out. And then the demon spoke through that man and said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? Could you imagine that? The embarrassment? You kind of size up on somebody? Like, hey, man, I, I heard this Jesus. If you just use his name, you can't just use Jesus like a Lysol spray without a relationship and affect any, any power to come on. You can't be like, shh, Jesus, shh, Jesus, shh, Jesus, and, and have no relationship. Come on. I say that because I had to, I had to break out a, a foundation because a lot of people say, oh, no, 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 we have authority. I, let me tell you, we all have authority. Now, hear me very closely, but not all of us walk in the same level of authority in the spirit. Now, you say, well, where, where is that? I'm going to show you in a second. But there's a difference between having authority as a pastor in the spirit realm or having authority as an apostle. There's a different authority realms. Or not everybody could be a CEO of a company in that level of authority. And you say, oh, I could. If some of you were trusted with that level of authority, that business would go bankrupt. So don't tell me, oh, everyone has the same authority. No, we don't have the same authority. We have the justification authority, but everyone has been given a different level of authority according to their call and assignment. I needed to break that down because I, one of the things that the enemy uses through fear intimidation, one of the main goals, hear me now, is to strip us from walking in authority. Authority. I, wanna, I want you to correlate intimidation with a lack of walking in authority. I want, you to, I want you to correlate a spirit of fear and intimidation synonymous with you shutting up and not being bold. All right? 
But there's so many things to this. So I want to I want to I want to read something that's so par- powerful because fear, I looked it up. I looked up fear and I looked up intimidation, all right? In the Webster dictionary, the collegiate dictionary of of, of Webster, if you could put that first slide up on fear. Look at the, look it up the screen. Fear in the Webster collegiate dictionary says an unpleasant and often strong emotion or feeling caused by the awareness of danger. To be alarmed because of danger or to be afraid. Now, in, and when it comes to fear, most of us know this, but I want to specify something about fear, the root actually fear before we go to intimidation, is fear uh, can be present as a non-living thing or a non-living entity. In other words, you could be afraid of a certain environment. Well, that environment is not necessarily alive or living. You could be, a, you could be afraid of a certain place, physical place. And I'm not trying to be funny, but you could actually be afraid of the dark. You could be afraid of going to sleep. You could be afraid claustrophobia of enclosed places. So it doesn't have to be living, and yet people are crippled with fear. So fear, that one mask of the enemy, has to do, again, with uh, unpleasant, strong emotion of feeling caused by the awareness of danger. So whenever there is an awareness of danger, fear starts kicking in, all right? And what does fear seek to do? Right? And I'm just going to do, I'm mostly going to harp on intimidation, but I'm going to talk a little bit about fear. What does fear seek to do? What, what is the goal of fear? The goal of fear is to cripple, immobilize, and torment the believer. You say, torment? Absolutely. Look at 1 John chapter 4. Do we have that on there? 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. Uh, maybe I didn't give that to you, Zach, but maybe that's just the Holy Ghost. <laughs> 1 John chapter 4. Verse 18 in the New King James, look at what, you know what it says? It says, it says this. Is it up there? Or, or, okay, I'll just say, 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 says, there is no, there it is, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear, say fear, come on, say fear, involves torment. Now, Kevin, you're going to love this, because we talked about this a couple years ago. Do you know in the NLT, you know what it says? Put it in the NLT. I know that's not on the notes. Put that same verse in the NLT. Look at this. Look at this. You talk about an orphan spirit. An orphan spirit is synonymous with a fearful spirit. An orphan spirit, an orphan mentality is their strength. Of the, the strength of an orphan spirit is rooted in fear. Are you ready for this? Look at this. Oh, look at this. Is this NLT? Okay, look at this. Such, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. Watch this. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced the perfect love. Look at verse 19. Look at verse 19. Look at verse 19. Go to the next verse. Watch this. It's coming. We love each other. Okay, sorry. Then, then it's not the one that. I, but but there's a there's a. If you go back in that verse 18, it says people who are afraid of pu- being punished are operating in a spirit of fear in the NLT. What does what does what does an orphan mentality give us as a Christian when we sin? When we sin. Now, yes, it's bad that we sin, and God wants us to forgive. But an orphan mentality says, "Oh my God, I sinned. I gotta run away from the Father." But a son says, oh, my God, I've sinned. i got to go talk to dad. 
Do you hear what I said? Do you hear what I said? And it's embedded, it was embedded in my life for years. Every time I fell into sin, I just ran further away from the Father, further away from God because I felt so condemned. Fear of pun. Because, you know, it's like I, I, I grew up Spanish. So, you know the chancleta? I don't know about you guys, but chancleta is, how do you say, sandals, right? Sandal, boy, when, when I messed up, it was like. <laughs> and I could be on the back, and they're like, excuse me. <laughs> right? So I grew up, like, when I mess up, you're going to get a whipping. When, when you mess up, it's like, <laughs> I've said it before, my dad, he had that curl lip. You know, you know you get in trouble when the dad does that curl lip, huh? I told you to come in at, at, at 11.30. And, huh? It's 12 o'clock, huh? Yeah? <laughs> so every time I messed up, I saw a father with a curled up lip. It's funny, but that's how I was bound. I was bound by, by this type of fear that was unhealthy in my relationship to the father because I had an orphan spirit. An orphan spirit is ruled by the spirit of fear. I just told you. He says, if you fear punishment, punishment. Every time I sinned, I felt like I'm such a loser. I'm so, but an orphan who's perfected in love, sorry, a, a son or daughter who's perfected in love, runs to Papa when they sin. Because Papa is the only one that could forgive us. Come on, say amen. So watch now, that's fear. Now watch intimidation. Turn, elbow someone and say intimidation. Say, don't try to be all spiritual. You know, we all, we all battled at one point or another with intimidation. I'm here to free you today. Now watch intimidation, the Webster Dictionary, guys. Look at, look at this revelation. Are you getting something this morning? Let, watch. To make fearful, oh my goodness, I feel like shouting. To make fearful, in ho- this, is, this is Webster, in hopes to compel or deter someone from their original destiny or purpose. Listen, by the reality of threats or feeling threatened. Somebody drop this mic. Listen, to make fearful, this is intimidation. I know this is cutting deep in you guys, and that's why you're not amen at me, but it's okay. I'm here to help you. Intimidation, this is not even a spiritual definition. This is Webster Collegiate Dictionary. It says, to, in, to make fearful, what, what, just look, look at me, look at me. In hopes to deter from the purpose or direction that they're going on. Do you see that intimidation is bondage? Not only because it's from the enemy. It's because one of the main goals of intimidation through another person. Fear is more broad. But intimidation is very specific. I'm not intimidated by the spirit of fear by a building. That's more fear or a place. But when it comes to personalities, when it comes to people, when it comes to your own upbringing, when it comes to all the things that you know you need to do, but you don't do it, you're delaying your victory. You're delaying your freedom because you just want to stay silent and not want to confront or not want to deal or not want to talk to somebody for fear of their strong personality. Do you know that if you avoid people all the time or certain individuals all the time in your life, come on, they're popping in your head right now, when you know you want to say something to them, you have been trapped by a spirit of intimidation. 
Intimidation has the terminology or notion of people and their personalities, their ways, their words as being the object of your source of fear. Think about someone that you, you avoid. I'm not talking about because they get on your nerves. <laughs> That's not just intimidation. Sometimes just you need patience, the fruit of the spirit of patience and that. All right? I'm talking about, let's be honest, if you can't say no to people, come on, somebody, am I preaching to somebody? If, if, there's, if everything in you says, you know what, I want a break, and someone asks something of you, and you say, sure, but you're afraid to say no. I remember years ago, I was, uh, when I was youth pastor, one of my spiritual sons said, Pastor George, he was breathing real hard, you know, I'm driving, he's like, Phew. Pastor George, I need to talk. I need to ask you a question. So I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be real deep. I need to ask you a question. I've been struggling with this all my life. I go, what's, what's going on? And I'm thinking, oh, boy, he's about, you know, open up to me about some drugs or, you know, all this stuff. And so he, he, i never forget, this is really real to people. And to me, I was like, what? And he goes, I know this is embarrassing, but, like, how do you say no to people? I go, what? He goes, how do you say no to people? I said, I just say no. Now, now watch. At that time, I was being insensitive because I didn't know the struggle that intimidation has a grip of people. But this was so real to this person that he says, I don't know how to say no. Because, and here's the root of it. Because I rather sacrifice my own well-being for another person's well-being because I don't want to confront this issue. Time doesn't heal everything. If you had cancer, time will kill you. So people that are under fear avoid confrontation because it will get fixed on its own through time. Oh, my. But the problem is that you could have all the time in the world, and if you never confront this spirit, if you never confront the root of intimidation, why you, don't, you do what you do and why you don't do what you do, it will affect your calling. Let me tell you something. Do you think that, that being a senior pastor uh, comes with just peaches and cream all the time. You know how many arrows I got to stick out my back of people saying how they should do this and how the, the church should run, and I don't like this, and I like that, and I don't like this. And if, I was, if I had a spirit of intimidation, I'll be ruled by every person and not by the Lord. Now, now watch this. I'm getting ahead of myself, but you will, you will, you will serve and obey what you fear. You will serve, put that, I know that, that slide is at the end, but you will serve and obey what you fear and who you're intimidated by. I'm going to say it again. You will serve, you will eventually serve and obey what you are intimidated by and what you fear the most. If you fear God the most, you'll be obedient to him the most. But if you feel, fear people's opinion about you, then you will obey them. Why? The Bible says in Proverbs, the fear of man brings a snare. Look at that up there. I think it's in Psalms. This is one of the last scriptures I gave you. I'm jumping all over the place. It's not in any order, but I just feel the Lord saying this right now. Look at what, look at, look at what the Proverbs says at the last scripture I gave you, Zach. Look at what it says. Fearing people. Come on, say that with me. Come on, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Fearing people is a what? But trusting the Lord means safety. Fearing people is a dangerous trap. 
Now, I want to tell you something about traps. They are hidden. They're not exposed. It's not like, oh, look, a trap. Wow. Ah. No, the, 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 the reason why a trap is successful is because it's camouflaged so you won't be able to see it. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen this morning. Come on. A trap is hidden and camouflaged so that it won't bring attention to you. But what does a trap do? And here's the bad part. Here's a really, here's a really debilitating part. A trap doesn't necessarily kill a person. It just stops their progress. It stops their momentum. It stops their vision. Remember the worldly definition, the worldly definition of intimidation to deter someone from their purpose through threats. Example of intimidation. Example. Somebody has been rude to you, has someone been hurt, hurt, hurt you, and um, it's about time that you talk to them because the Bible says you've, now, now you've held an offense towards them, a little silent offense that you don't tell anybody. But every time you see them, you feel like either nervous, come on somebody, anxious, or angry. And if every time you see the same individual, you feel nervous, anxious, angry, and you have not dealt with it, you've succumbed to a spirit of intimidation. And if you don't say anything to try to set up a meeting to say, hey, listen, I really don't feel, I know you probably didn't mean it, but this, I just want to say this is how you've made me feel. I really don't like that. We need to get healed. We, trust me, I've had to have some tough conversations with people that have strong personalities, but I also have a strong personality as well. But I couldn't allow their personality to get me to yield to a spirit of intimidation in my life. Now, again, once we talked it out, something happens. You take authority in the spirit realm. You don't take authority on the person. You take authority in the spirit realm, okay? Now, now, now watch this. This, this. this whole phenomenon of the devil going after authority has everything to do with battling spirit of fear and intimidation. One of the number one goals of the enemy when bringing fear to you and intimidation to you is not just so he can say, boo, Haha, you're scared. No, it's to strip you from God-given authority that you walk in. Because, listen, listen, listen. The Bible is very clear. It gives principles of that. The goal of intimidation is that intimidation and fear has a voice. And its job and its goal is to silence yours. Why? Because you and I... If you see Jesus, Jesus never cast out a demon, or he, ne- uh, he did, but not in this way. He never, he never took authority over demonic powers by being silent. I, I know that sounds, I know that some of you really spiritual people say, well, I don't have to say anything. I just, I let my light shine. I don't have to say anything. So, so if, 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 if in the Bible, if there was a demon, if there was a man that was demon possessed, Jesus, do you see Jesus going like this? He didn't, he didn't just go. The Bible says he, he cast out demons with the word. With a word. Are you ready for this revelation? Your voice and authority in the spirit is synonymous. Your voice, your prayer, you take authority in the spirit by opening up your mouth. 
and you say, in Jesus' name, come out. Or that's when you're dealing with demonic spirits. You don't do that when you're you know, dealing with another person. <laughs> you know? You, you, can't, <laughs> you can't counsel a demon <laughs> and you can't rebuke your flesh. So it's the same. It's, it's, it's a thing. Now, now watch this. Now, I, I, do you guys know who John Bevere is? So I, th- this, this, everything that I'm saying right now, everything that I'm saying has to do with the reality of a true story I read. Now, I want everyone to listen to me because this is going to change your life. Everybody say authority. Authority. Say, when I walk in authority, I start breaking the spirit of intimidation in my life. Years ago, John Bevere in his book, if you read, I want to just say this. This this is going to help you. Years ago, he was preaching at a revival that lasted 21 days. So it didn't start that way. He started preaching one day, and the pastor, it was like the whole city came. And the pastor said, listen, I need you to to, to do it again. So he started preaching again. Could you imagine? We preach, we go home, and we all feel like, man, the city is coming. Let's have a service tomorrow. And then we have a service tomorrow, and more city people come. And then we look at each other and say, let's have it again. Those are authentic revivals. So this has started happening, right? Now listen, I want everybody to listen to this. So he said in his book, Breaking Intimidation, years ago, that he was preaching prophetically and boldly, okay? And all of a sudden, while he was preaching, he felt the Holy Spirit give him a prophetic word, and he turned around and he said, there's sin on the platform. If you don't repent, he was a guest speaker, if you don't repent, God is going to expose it. Right? And so he just kept on, and he kept on, right? and everything was good. The next day, he started preaching again, real fiery messages, and in the middle of his message, the Holy Spirit interrupted him and said, there's sin on the platform, and if you don't repent, God is going to expose, expose it, right? It's been going on too long. Repent. God's giving you a chance, right? Well, the, the, I think it was the 14th day, 15th day, I don't know, it was like in the third week of these revivals, he comes in, true story, sits in... Uh, the, uh, the office of the pastor, getting ready for a normal service of, of, of him being the evangelist. And one of the elders comes in to that meeting, this is a true story, and says, well, pastor and, and John, you know, uh, there's some people that are really upset with you. He's like, why? And the elder said, well, they feel like you're too hard on them. They say, they're saying if, if there is sin on the platform, just talk to them privately. Why did you have to do it that way, right? And he said he didn't feel, he, he didn't think anything, but he says at that, that moment, his words and his thoughts started changing. He's like, why did you have to do that? Why did you have to call it out there? Suppose there's no sin in the platform. Suppose that there's nothing. And I'm just, what are you doing, John? And he's, and he's Having all these thoughts in his mind, he said he went out to preach. Listen to this. That same day. And when he preached, he said there was no unction to preach at all. There was no power. He said, I, he said, I was like preaching to a brick wall. He said, I got out of there as fast as I could. He got out of there. He had no unction. He went to his hotel room. He prayed for hours. This is a true story. Prayed for hours. Breakthrough. And, and, and he said he felt more heavy. The next morning, he woke up even heavier he had this spirit of heaviness on him, and he went out to preach, and he's like, when the pastor introduced him, he didn't want to go out on the platform. He said he, he had to speak a message that he preached a while ago. He said it was for 35 minutes, and he was ran, he ran out. No altar call, no nothing. And at that time, he's like, I don't know what's happening. He went to a field. He prayed for two hours, still nothing. The, th- the third 
night after, he, uh, after this incident happened, he got on there and he felt even more dry. Now watch this. And all of a sudden, in the middle of his message, he goes, stop. This is in his book. He goes, stop. He goes, something is off. It's been off for the last two weeks. Sorry, two days. And he had everybody pray. And he started praying. They all prayed in the spirit. He said, at that moment, here's what the Lord said. I'm gonna I'm gonna read it so I don't so I won't miss it. He said, The Holy Spirit revealed to John, son, you allowed the words of that elder to intimidate you. And now, this is while he's in the pulpit and he's praying. And now you're intimidated by the people in the platform. And because of it, the gift of God on your life to preach boldly has become dormant. Break their intimidation, this is the Lord, and preach what I've given you to preach and say what I'm telling you to say. And, and he did that, and he took, and he took, yeah, that, that's it, yeah, that, that, was, that was it. He took that voice from the Lord, he took authority over the spirit of fear, and he, and he addressed, in two minutes, he said that the Holy Spirit downloaded all these men and women in the Bible who came under a spirit of intimidation. And he, he said that, that was the largest altar call of that revival. He broke it, and he started a preaching. He said, he said three weeks later, the pastor called him, and he said, you won't believe this. But the, the main person up on the stage was having an adulterous affair with somebody else, and they took a third of the congregation with them. He, the pastor said, it's the hardest thing I've ever had to face. He said, but it's the best thing for our church. Years later, the church was flourishing. Why? Because if you are under a spirit of intimidation, you won't take authority even in the office that God has given you. That's why God had to raise up Jehu to do what Elijah couldn't do. Now, now, I preach it in several different angles. You may say, well, you know, he wasn't afraid. Maybe he wasn't afraid when he didn't have someone threatening him. But as soon as he just called, Elijah just called on fire, killed 400 prophets of Baal, and a spirit, a, do you remember what the, the definition of, of intimidation was? A threat. A what? Jezebel threatened him. says, by this time tomorrow, you're going to die just like these guys. And that bold man, listen to me very carefully, that just called down fire was threatened for a moment and gave in to a spirit of intimidation and ran the other way. Some of you may say, well, he didn't give in to a spirit of intimidation. Well, here's, let me, just, let me explain why I say this. There is nowhere in the Bible that explains his emotions. It's not like, not like the Bible says, well, he really was just discouraged and he went this way. Now, we could assume that he was discouraged because he wanted revival. He's been praying for revival for a long time. But could it be that we don't know all the answers? Could it be that maybe for a season he gave in to a threat and, watch this, deterred him from his calling, stripped him from this authority that he was called to walk in? Now, now, now you, so, so watch this. Put this, put, this, put, this, put this key up here, Zach. Fear, intimidation. Seek to usurp your assigned authority that God has placed on your life for a specific role and assignment. Remember, the difference between authority of justification and authority in walking it out. 
Every believer in this room has been, giving po- has been given power and authority over the enemy. But not every person in this room is walking in that authority. And, and if I could just be honest, and I'm going to pass to you as well as I can. Some of you have allowed a spirit of intimidation of what other people think about you, how other people will react to get you to close your mouth and not respond and not take authority. You take authority first in the spirit realm by using the word of God to break that in your life. And the next thing you do is you need to walk in love and confidence to be able to talk to people to get things resolved. Do you know what Jesus said? I I I love what Jesus said. Because Jesus said, if you have ought with one another, or if you know that someone is offended of you, leave your gift in the altar and then first reconcile yourself with your brother. Then come back. You know what the gift in the altar means? It's like, it's your worship. It's like, it's basically in 2020 saying, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Oh, I love you. Man, but I hate this guy right here. I hate his guts. Every time they do that, I just get my stomach turns. I'm like, I don't like them. Every time they have just attitude, they have, I don't like the personality. And God's like, uh, excuse me, I, know, I love your gift right now. I love your worship. But right now, you need to go and settle it with your brother. Now, now listen. Now, watch this. Why do I say that? Because I'm not talking about offense, but I will say this. If you can't settle things with your brother or sister because you're too afraid, you're under bondage of intimidation. If you're afraid that they're going to lash out you, then they, the enemy has already won the battle. And guess what? It's strike, strike two. Now, you, not only are you bound by intimidation, you won't get healing and restoration through the necessary need to talk to somebody. I'm preaching good here. It could be your boss. It could be your, uh, your, your mate. It could be your friend. It could be a close friend. It could be, it could be someone that is constantly has rubbed you in a certain way, and it's time that you need to talk. If you're under spirit of intimidation, you will never talk to them. Can I hear an amen? And so there's one of the things I want to share in the next seven minutes before I close is this place of authority in the spirit. Say, in the spirit. God has given us place, a place in the spirit of authority that we hold that that's what the enemy is after through intimidation. Listen, don't fall asleep on me. Through intimidation and fear, the enemy, and I'm going to prove it to you, loves to go after authority. He went after the, Adam's authority in the beginning. Do you know, what the, you know what the devil, the serpent, was after in the beginning? He wasn't just to get him to sin. He was after the earth's deed. He wanted the authority that, that Adam had over the earth. He just didn't want one person to fall. He knew what would happen. If he would give in to sin or transgression, then he passed the authority over to Satan. You say, how is that true? Even Jesus himself, before he went to the cross, hear me, church, even Jesus, before he went to the cross, three times in the book of John says, the ruler of this world, the ruler of this age. Now, why would Jesus call Satan the ruler of this world? Because before Jesus died on the cross, Satan had the legal deed, uh, authority that Adam gave over. That's why Jesus called the second Adam. I'm preaching too good for you guys. Second Adam had to come to regain the intimacy, but regain authority because the first Adam gave it over to Satan. Do you know that? Here's a revelation. 
through fear and through intimidation, please hear me now, he's after one main thing. Not just that you're an orphan spirit, not, that, not just that you stay bound, he's after your God-given authority. Just let, let's, 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 let's do some little homework, all right? Don't say it out loud. How do you respond when you truly have come under intimidation? How do you respond? Don't, don't say it out loud. Most of the time, you become silence. Silence is a byproduct of coming under intimidation. I used to say this to a lot of my people. Uh, silence in a burning house is a murder. <laughs> if, you, if you're sleeping and this house is burning, and everybody else here is sleeping, and you wake up, and you're so afraid of the fire that you just save yourself, you just committed murder, even though you didn't start the fire, because you didn't, you didn't speak up. When we're under intimidation, I'm going to give you a revelation. When you're under intimidation, the goal of that is to silence you from a couple of things. Silence you from your prayer closet, to speak, author speak authority over that, and silence you from healthy confrontation. I don't even like the word confrontation, but healthy meetings with people to resolve issues. Do you know why some issues are, I'm just prophesying to you now, this is not my notes. You know why some issues are still prevalent in your life? Because God has been wanting you to deal with something for a while. And you could use all the excuses of, that's just not my personality. Oh, here, here's an excuse I hear a lot. It's not that big of a deal. So I'll just let them, I'll let them have their way. We use the excuse that it's not a big deal to us to, to not admit that we don't want to talk to a certain person. It got quiet up in this Presbyterian church. <laughs> so, say place, say place. What I'm about to tell you is a spiritual place of authority. Watch this now. I'm going to give you some revelation. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the Almighty. Now, let's pause and think about that. We quote that all the time. Is it a physical place that David is talking about? So he didn't say, he who dwells in the secret place of the catacombs or of, the, of Jerusalem somewhere in the caves. No, he said, he who dwells in the secret place. So watch this. If it's not a physical place, then it's a spiritual place. He who dwells in the secret place, that means the secret place could be in your shower, it could be in your car, it could be in your room, anywhere where there's no distractions and you're getting the fuel of God in your private time. That's a secret place. Everybody say place. Now watch this. Now watch this. In Ephesians 2 verse 4, it talks about the places of authority that we have, and this is the place that the enemy wants to take from you through fear and intimidation. This is good. Ephesians 4, sorry, 2, verse 4. Are you getting something? I can't tell, so I'm encouraged. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 6. Look what it says. Watch this. Now watch this. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Watch this, guys. Keep going. Even when we were dead in trespasses. Watch. Made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved. Now look at this. And raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly Wait, 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 wait. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. Here's what I notice about that scripture. Paul is talking as if it already happened. 
Right? Because he said he's made us to sit in heavenly places. Now, if it hasn't already happened physically, correct me if I'm wrong. You can shout at me. But have any of us Christians sat in a heavenly place yet? Physically? No. So he's talking about a spiritual place of authority. Oh, man. Now, now watch this. He's sitting us. He's seated us in, in, in... Together, he's made us sit together in heavenly places. That means there's a place in the spirit that you have authority in. And now I know the secret that Paul the Apostle was trying to tell us in Ephesians 4. Watch what it says. In Ephesians 4. Are you ready to shout with me? Are you ready to shout? Look at Ephesians 4. Be angry and do not sin and let not your son go down in your wrath. Neither give. Neither give. Place to the devil. Now, is Paul the Apostle saying a physical place? Don't give him your bathroom. Don't give him your church. Don't give Satan your living room. He's not talking about a physical place. He's talking about a spiritual place. So if he's talking about a spiritual place, it's the spiritual place of authority that we've been seated in Christ that we give the enemy a place when we sin. Sin not. Be angry and sin not. Neither give any place to the devil. You know what that place is? It's not your living room. It's not your church. It's, not, it's a spiritual place that the enemy desires to usurp you through fear and intimidation. I remember even here, I, I don't even realize that I did it. I had to correct myself. I would, I would say, because I'm very pastoral at heart, and so I would say things, and I would say, you know, I'm sorry. I'm gonna, and I'm sorry I'm about to say this, but I'm sorry I'm about to say this. And one time, just, just about a year ago, one of our congregations says, after service, PG, that was a great sermon. I go, thank you. He goes, but you apologize too much. I go, I do? I didn't, even know, I didn't even know that I did that. I go, I don't apologize so much. He says, yeah, you, say, you said I'm sorry. Every time you were about to say something sharp, you said I'm sorry. And, you know, when, she, when that person said that, it brought a lot of clarity. I said, wow, maybe there's some things in my life that I still haven't really dealt with when it comes to intimidation. Can I, can I say something real powerful? You become so free when you don't have to worry about people's opinions about you. That, that is true freedom. But a spirit of intimidation wants you to believe that everybody needs to like you. Then we're not in good company with Jesus then because they call Jesus a, 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 a glutton and a wine bibber and he, that he had demons. All right? Now listen to me. I'm almost closing because I can feel the Holy Spirit here. Do you guys feel the Lord? Give no place to the devil. I finally understand that scripture. Be angry and sin not. Neither give place. What place? The place that you're seated in heavenly places. It's the place of authority. Now watch it. If you say, well, he doesn't go. Do you know that Jesus himself was after Jesus' authority? Do you know that in the Gospels, if, 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 the, if the worship team could come up, if, now, you can, you can still hear the sermon while, I, while you get up there. Do you know in the Gospel that Satan came to Jesus three times, and he said, if you are the Son of God, I'll watch this. Are you ready for this? Are you ready? I will give you all of these kingdoms and their authority if you just bow down and worship me. Many Christians say, well, that was just... That was just a lie because it was the devil. No, that was actually a true statement. 
Satan had authority before Jesus came on the cross and died. That's why Jesus had to come on the cross and die, to regain that to humanity. Listen, listen. God, God already has dominion on earth uh, in heaven. He's wanting to extend his dominion on earth through people. Okay, you, you, you're looking at me. Watch, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. Look at Psalms. I'm almost closing. Are you getting something? Psalms 115, verse 16. Look at the screen, and I want you to, I want this to shout and burn in you. The heavens belong to the Lord, but he has given earth to all humanity. Now, maybe I'm reading that wrong, but let me read it again. Well, you know, no, I don't, I don't, I don't need anything because, you know, the Lord is already, he's the Lord of all. I don't need, no. The heavens belong to the earth, but he has given the earth to humanity. So guess what? You have a spiritual place of authority here on this earth. Whether it's a pastor, whether it's a lawyer, come on. Whether it's a businessman, you have a place. And fear and intimidation seeks to abort the call of God in your life. How many people have you heard say, I was called to a mission field, but I was afraid. I was called to be a pastor, but they beat me down, so I quit. The people beat me down. Believe me, I've, I've, I've had those experiences. But I have to realize that people are not my problem. People are not your problem. As a matter of fact, I'm going to make a spirit of intimidation very easy. When you recognize that people are not your enemy and that you said that the Bible says we war against the strategies of the evil one, that you put on the whole armor of God and you look at people as broken and hurt, but you still don't call them your enemy. The moment you call the, the people your enemy, you have lost the battle. Because the enemy is the real enemy. The devil is the real enemy. And he uses fear, he uses intimidation to torment us, to stop us. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit here. And I, and I, and I keep sensing this. And I, I, for, I, I'm, I'm not going to say forgive me. <laughs> Some of you, you have a different, uh, softer personality. But don't let the enemy use that personality that you have, beautiful personality that you have, as an excuse not to do what's biblically right. Biblically right. Now, you could have two things. You could be spiritual or you could be biblical. What's your choice? Being spiritual, being spiritual is masking everything all in the name of, well, you know, I'm just extending kindness. And, well, you know, I just don't want to deal with it. You know, I just let them be. And, you know, what? I don't, I don't need to rock the boat. I'm not telling you to rock the boat. I'm just telling you that you need to speak up. And fear, if you could, if, if, if you could see fear in the physical realm, this is what I believe it is. Is, is a spiritual muzzle that from the enemy puts on your mouth and says, don't speak, don't share, don't talk to that person because they're going to blow up on you and you're going to be hurt. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's right, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that. No, that's not worth it, it's not worth it. And then you start counting the cost. Start counting the cost. Well, if I do that, then they're going to get mad at me and then they're going to write me this long text message and then they're going to like not talk to me. You know what? I just let them have their way. Now, unless the Lord is telling you to do that, if the Lord's telling you to do that, that's fine. But don't blame the Lord for a spirit of intimidation that you may be under. All right? Now, I'm going to close because I feel the Holy Spirit. 
That word place, everybody say place. That word place in the Greek where it says we're seated in heavenly places. Now watch this. In the Greek where it says give no place to the devil. Do you want to know what that word in the Greek means? When it, okay, I'm going to say it again. Sin not, neither give the devil a place. It means topos, T-O-P-O-S. And I'm reading from the Greek lexicon in Ephesians 4. The, a, a condition or position, place, held by one in any company or assembly. An opportunity, are you ready? A place of power. The word place in the Greek means a place of power. So what is the enemy after when, he, when, he, when we have intimidation and fear? He's after God-given authority. He hates it. He hates God-given authority in the believer because you're the only one that could defeat him through the Spirit of God. And every time he sees you, he sees Jesus. Come on. And every time he sees you, he reminds him of someone that defeated him on the cross. And every time he sees a son and daughter that is walking in boldness and walking in freedom, he knows he can't defeat that person because they remind him of Jesus who defeated him. Come on, let's stand up. Let's stand up. Come on. Let's give a shout to the Lord today. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give a shout to the Lord. I'm going to tell you that fear and intimidation have a voice. They have a voice. I want you to move this, but I want everyone to look at the screen. I want you to put the prophecy up of John Bavir. I want, I want to end with this. Thank you, guys. Say this after me. Say, I am no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave of fear and intimidation. I am a child of God. In the beginning of his book, Breaking Intimidation, the Lord gave John Bevere years ago a prophecy that I want to read. Okay? And this is how we're going to close it. And then we're going to take authority today over intimidation in your life. But hear me. I could pray till I'm blue in the face for you. And it won't break intimidation. you got to break it. Hello? I can't speak to your boss for you. I can't speak to your child for you. I can't speak to your pastor or your friend for you. You have to first, here's the order. Break it privately in the spirit, then go. Because if you go before that, you may pop off in your own anger. And two wrongs don't make a right. Break it in the spirit. Then you go. Look at this prophecy. The Lord said, son, there are many called this is the Lord giving a prophecy to John. Son, there are many called to migrate, to migrate an end-time army of believers who are bound by intimidation. They have pure hearts towards God and man. However, like Gideon of old, they are held captive by the fear of man. The gifts I have placed in them have become dormant and inoperative. I will anoint the message of breaking intimidation to liberate multitudes of them. They will step out and fearlessly obey me. They shall be valiant warriors and shall bring forth great victories in the strength of their God. Come on, hear me, amen. I want you to lift up your hands right now. 
And Zizi and the team, we're going to go and we're going to sing this song as a banner over your life. And then after a couple minutes, if you feel that, you know what, this message has stirred me. This message, I'm not ashamed to say that I've battled with some intimidation. I want to break it today. We're going to deal with it today. Come on, say amen. Come on, I want you to lift up your hands right now all over this place. Come on, let's begin to sing and declare that we are not bound by intimidation. Come on. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.